Welcome to Fred Wings Podcast, where Smashville and Hockey Town collide. And now your hosts, Brett and Ron White and D-Law, Dan Law. Welcome to episode five, Rat and Ron. And I'm here. D-Law, it's nice to have you. Yeah, I'm... It hasn't been so great in the hockey world for... Uh... Wow. Come here. Pop tops, popping flip flops, flopping drop tops, dropping down. Feeling it. Yeah, I'm feeling it. <laughs> All right. So... Well, uh, yep, we made it to episode five, so just remember to, uh, you can get us on your favorite podcast and uh, to subscribe and look us up on uh, Facebook, uh, Pride Wings Podcast, and and follow us. So, an interesting week for the Predators. Yeah, um, not so interesting for the Red Wings. So I guess without further ado, we'll go right into the uh, Wings uh, uh, recaps on the PWP. Yep. Well, I, I first want to start out by saying that the Red Wings, after our last episode, were in a bit of a slump. They weren't looking so hot. They had some issues, goaltending, defense. Nobody wanted to score a goal. Um, and they... Uh, they decided they wanted to continue that. So, you know, the first game that we're going to talk about here is the Wings versus the Flames. He tried dropped it three nothing, and it was just a, uh, you know, it was just not a good performance. Grice comes out and he he was just he was weak. I mean, he he let in, you know, an easy goal, you know, by Lindholm power play goal. Um. You know, it's just been a weak point for Detroit here recently. And Nedeljkovic, I still think, has a lot of potential, as I had talked about in many other episodes. And I really think that he's he's got a good future here in Detroit in some capacity, um, whether it be the starter or backup to a future, future player. But right now they're just in a bit of a slump. And it's hard when you're facing, you know, when you're getting outshot. I mean, in this game, Detroit was outshot 43-19. to 19. You're just not going to win hockey games doing that. It's just not possible. So um, one of the highlights, you know, let's talk about a highlight of this game. Doesn't sound like there's very many of them. No, there's not. Um, but Jordan Stahl gets his thousandth, thousandth game. And, you know, it's quite a, you know, it's quite a feat in the NHL. It's, you know, not many players make it that, you know, make it that long in their tenure. And he did it. And it was kind of a cool little salute. They, you know, the guys as he approached the, uh, all the guys got to the arena early. They were all wearing shirts that had, I don't know if you, if, if anyone had seen them, but all the guys, they were holding up sticks and made like a little aisle way and they were wearing shirts. They had Stahl's face on it with sunglasses that said 1000 on it. It was kind of a joke, but kind of funny. Um, but it was a nice little tribute that they gave because, you know, obviously they weren't back at the, you know, at the pizza barn. So, you know, it was cool. They put it up on the on the big jumbotron. Jordan, his brother, came out, congratulated him, said how how much of a great family man he is, how proud his family must be, how proud he was of his brother. And now you've got all three of the Stahl brothers have all played in a thousand games or more. So, 
Um, it's more than what the Flyers did for Giroux <laughs> with, yeah. the, with the T-shirts. <laughs> yeah. They just stuck his number on their jersey. <laughs> yep. We'll, we'll get into that later, though. Yep. And one of the uh, – um, you know, one of the things that I will also highlight in this game, Cider ended up with the most – I don't want to confuse everybody, but Cider ended up – with an average of 23 minutes per game as a rookie. So every game he's averaging 23 minutes, which is leading all rookies across the board. So it's kind of a good highlight for, um, you know, it's kind of a good highlight for Detroit. Again, Cider has been my, you know, he's been my, uh, I guess my bright spot in the Wings lineup for a while. So, you know, that's always nice. Um, but yeah, so they had, so they, they played against the flames. They dropped it three, nothing one shot in the first. That's again, you're, you're outshot totally 43 to 19. There's just no way there's a lot of confusion on the ice. You can see that the guys are, you know, those 50, 50 puck battles where the puck is still in their zone and it's, you know, kind of up for grabs where the, you know, the, the forward can get the puck or, or. The opposing defense can get the puck. The wings are dropping back, trying to play coverage rather than going and, you know, creating an issue. And all that does is just allows the other team, A, to take possession, but B, to quickly move the puck into the slot. And, again, that's a trouble point for the Red Wings. So, you know, slot trouble again. Um, you know, the second, they're just getting, I mean, they're just getting outshot even more. And at this point, I think this is a Blasio problem. And everyone, you know, it's kind of mixed reviews amongst us Wings fans, you know, you know, in the winged wheeled nation here. The some people are giving excuses that Blashill hasn't had teams to play with. And I, I do agree with that. He hasn't had good caliber players that are, you know, he's, he's stuck with an AHL team playing in the NHL. Over the last couple of years, Iserman has changed that. And the improvement came this year. But now they're regressing terribly. And to me, that's a coaching issue. Like, if you had seen the game, you would have seen how much confusion and how much, you know, the players just look lost out there. They didn't know where to be. They didn't know where to put the puck. Their passes were in the skates. They were bouncing them off the boards. Like, it was just an extremely sloppy, ugly game. And they deserved to lose that game. They, they, uh, you know, they, they deserve to uh, lose that game. Now, getting back to Grice, while well, I said that he was, in, you know, he struggled, he turned that around later in this game. I still am not condoning, you know, his play. I'm not saying that Grice is going to be the answer. This is probably his last season in Detroit, if not in the league. Uh, but he did bounce back in the second and third, started making some pretty good saves. He felt a little more confident, I'm sure. Looked like he felt confident. Um, and, you know, they just looked a little bit better. Um, you know, overall, they, they lost the game. It was Dean Morton. You know, I want to highlight this. Dean Morton, who was an ex-Red Wing. He had one game and one goal in the winged wheel. And it was his last game. Um playing for um, – or uh, he was an official, so it's his last game officiating. And at the end of the game, 
all the guys came up and lined up both teams. It was a really cool little tribute, shook his hand. However, as most fans probably saw, there was a little tomfoolery in the handshake line. So skating up to the handshake line, Goudreau comes up and he taps Larkin a few times in the legs. Just friendly, not like malicious, not trying to start or instigate anything. They're both laughing, but he's tapping Larkin in the legs. So right before Larkin goes to shake Dean's hand, he turns, puts his arm underneath or his arm over the stick and kind of shimmies it away from Goudreau and he skates off with his stick and Goudreau's stick. And it was just kind of a comical moment. Um, but yeah, it was uh, not a good game. It was just not a good game by Detroit. You know, Grice played well in the second and third, kept it a lot closer. You know, that's that's all I'm going to talk about that game. I'm just, again, it's, it's very frustrating to see that. Um, you know, then moving along in the on the little West Coast uh, Canadian uh, movement, again, all these games without Bertuzzi as well. He's a key piece in the offense. Um, but but then we're going to move into Edmonton. So then they, they, they go into Edmonton. And, you know, that game, again, it, you know, it just the first goal of the game, it came quick. Like that's one of the biggest issues that the Wings are having is they're letting up goals quickly. And it just takes the wind out of their sails. They just, you can see that they're, they're almost defeated. They play from behind all game. Um, and they just got, the defense got stuck. You know, Letty and the, and I, I think it was Cider out there at the time, they had a two-minute shift. They just couldn't get off the ice because the, there was so much pressure, and it was all in the Detroit zone. They iced the puck once. They couldn't get off. You know, the puck couldn't get out of the zone. They tried getting it out. You know, Edmonton kept stopping it along the, uh, along the boards. And McDavid and Dreisaitl, you know, those are two of the best in the game right now. And, you, you know, when you have your defense on a two-minute shift and you've got a guy like Dreisaitl out there, there's you're, you're going to get scored on. Uh-oh. That's right. Two-minute shift is an uh-oh. uh-oh. So, <laughs> so they just they couldn't get out of their own zone for, like, the entire first half of the first period. It was just terrible. Um, thank you. Thank you. But... You know, Grice had to start in this game, and, you know, while the, the, the team in front of him didn't do him any favors, he looked terrible. I mean, he was out of position on the first goal. The second goal, he caught the puck, dropped it, McDavid just tapped it in. Like, like, those are just, those are things that cannot happen as a goalie. Like, you just can't do that. That sounds like something I do. Yeah, well, it is. It is. <laughs> I'd rather almost see you back there some games. I did have a shutout Sunday, though. Oh, that's good. Our listeners really care about your beer league game. Well, somebody has to. <laughs> well, your teammates can. Um, and then Detroit finally comes down, and they're going to apply some pressure. They score a goal, but it hits Smith's stick about 10 rows up into the bleachers. That's how high his stick was. So, obviously, it was waved off. There was a good wave off. There was, I'm not going to complain about it. It was so obvious. I mean, it looked like Paul Bunyan out there. He's got a 50-foot stick. Yeah, well, it looked like it. Uh-oh. Um, 
Can I break your soundboard? I'm not doing that. <laughs> I think that's somebody in the background. Yeah, so so then, you know, moving into the, like the second period here, Grice ends up dropping three in less than five minutes, and that was it. You know, he got the hook. Uh-oh. So that was that was not good. I mean... Uh, that was not good at all. No. And then... You know, what really stinks is you got a guy like Cider, and, and I don't like the plus minus. I just think that's a terrible stat because. Kind of like the hits? <laughs> because you get. No, well, yeah, we got to figure out the hit stat. But, I mean, the uh, the plus minus, like if a guy just jumps off the bench, that's not an indication of poor play. It's just, hey, you got screwed because you jumped on the ice when somebody scored a goal, even though you had no, no part in the play. Um,. But yeah, I mean, it was just it was just not not good. Cider, you know, McDavid comes down the, you know, down the ice. Cider forces him to the outside like you're supposed to do, and you know he comes comes and puts the puck in the middle, and there's nobody there. There's nobody there. Like there's just no support. You know, there's no back check. It was just you know it was a sloppy game. You know, I don't want to, you know, get too far into it. Detroit ends up losing. It was a good game. It was actually a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. They dropped it seven to five. Um, you know, Stall in game one thousand and one scores two goals, and you could see he was trying like hell to get the hat trick, which I was really pulling for the guy to do it, but unfortunately he just didn't. You know, he wasn't able to pull it off. Lucas Raymond had two goals, which put him tied with uh, Jano, who I absolutely despise. Can't stand him. I'm going on the record and saying that because he cost me money. It wasn't him. Well, we'll get into that later. He should have shot it wide. Yes, we'll get into it later. Scrub. But I will say this. You know, this game, the Wings would have been without Bertuzzi anyways, regardless of the back stats and all that stuff, because he and Ashley, his wife, had their daughter, Kinsley Lee. So congrats, Tyler. Congrats, Ashley. Hope the family's doing well. Hope everyone's safe. And we look forward to getting you back on the ice if you're not traded, um, which we'll get into later. Um, yeah, Luke, like I said, Lucas Ro- Raymond, you know, he's having a massive, you know, rookie year. Pretty excited about it. Um, you know, and that moves us into, you know, the last game that I'm going to recap here. And I'll kind of go through this a little bit quicker. Um, but they just played Vancouver. And. Again, Detroit's been in a slump. One thing I'm going to say about Blasio before this game started, as I was saying earlier, all these fans are trying to either back up Blasio or bash Blasio. So you've got a very separate divide. I'm now on the let's separate, let's get a new face. At the end of the season, don't cut him now, but at the end of the season, you let Jeff Blasio go. And you find somebody to come in with a new system and that's somebody that these young kids are going to want to play for because you don't want a stale face behind the bench. You don't want a guy like Lucas Raymond or Moritz Sider or even a Dylan Larkin for that matter saying, you know what, I, I, I'm i kind of not feeling this. The coach isn't winning. The team's not winning. We're not changing anything. I want a, I want a new, you know, I want some new scenery. I hear Babcock's available. I heard Babcock's available. Good. Well, maybe you can help the Predators uh, win a game. 
Um, he's, uh, he's I, already had we're, that experiment. We're talking about the wings. Yeah, well, we've already had that experiment. We yeah, well, you never know. That road. No, no he will never. He won't. It wouldn't be the first back. time. But it wouldn't be the first time a team hired a coach for uh, twice. Yeah, no, that's okay. <laughs> I'll pass. But the one thing I'm going to start off with this game in Vancouver is the play was much more. It was more more evenly played throughout the game. You know, Bruce Boudreaux came in, which made me a little bit nervous because since he came in, he had something like a 22 and three record. So I was like, great, here's here's a loss number eight. I've got a coach that's extremely competitive as well, but he's extremely competitive at getting the highest pick in the lottery. That's all he's competitive for. Not competitive on the ice, not competitive behind the bench, but he's competitive to try to win the best pick in the freaking draft. Anywho, but this game was a lot more even. You know, I thought Detroit came out strong. They played great position. Uh, they they defended the slot. You know, after I just get done bl- blasting Blasio, you know, the guys looked a lot more prepared for this game. They looked like they were ready to play. They came out and they played hard. Um, you know, something I'm sure we're going to talk about a little bit later in the show is the officiating. There was a key play in here. Uh, cost Detroit a penalty. Jacob Brana ended up getting a, a misconduct at the end of the second period because um, he was getting ridden like a horse all the way down the ice, and he let the referee know that, hey, I skated by you and a linesman, and nobody saw this guy with two arms wrapped around my waist going just getting a free ride. So I think he had every right to light up the refs. I think he had every right to make his point known. And like I said, we're going to get into this a little bit more. Yeah, um, it, it looked like he was water skiing. Yeah, and it's just, it was ridiculous. And I've seen three or four more, more of those since last night. Um, you know, and one of them was Mitch Marner. But we'll get it, we'll get into all that. But overall, they played a, you know, they played a great game. Um, you know, Suter ends up netting his 12th of the year, assisted by Vlad Nemestikov. It was just a really good, it was a great play. Um, you know, he, he broke right in. You know, pretty much it was a, not quite a breakaway, but he was one-on-one with the goalie and, you know, he was able to squeak it by, and that was the uh, deciding factor in the game. They were able to take the one nothing lead. Nedeljkovic bounced back and showed that he's, you know, he's here to stay, that he's got a place on this team. He made 43 saves and, you know, netted the shutout. And the saves, they weren't your typical, you know, let's just shoot it from the blue line because Detroit lets everything in. It was actually pretty good and, you know, hard contested shots. So, you know, Congrats, Ned, on the on the shutout. Can't wait to see many more. You know, I, I again, I I'm I have faith in you. I think you are, you're here. You are the future of this team. You know, I don't see anybody as as of late coming up. So, you know, it's nice to kind of break the, you know, break that streak. Detroit was trying to break the longest losing streak in the NHL, and they were unable to do that in. Uh, Vancouver so it was a nice nice win hopefully we can keep this streak going hopefully we can get some guys going hopefully Bert comes back and he's ready to go and we can uh, you know get a couple more wins before this season ends again we're not making the playoffs we're not close to the playoffs I think the Wings fans have finally accepted that fact let's just go out let's just have fun like Chris Osgood said in the before the pregame you know, the Wings are in a position, they've got young kids, they're trying new things out, they're getting people in position. Um, just go have fun. Just go have fun. Just play the game you grew up playing 
love it for what it is, you know, bond as a team and, and just play the game because doing all this fancy extracurricular, you know, mumbo jumbo just isn't working. So just, just play the game for what it's worth. And I think they did that and came out with the win. So, you know, great job. Let's keep that. Let's keep that mojo moving. So that's that's the uh, Red Wings recap. And there's some more Red Wings news coming down the, the road as we talk some trade. But let's turn it over to you, D-Law. Let's move along here and let's talk about. Oh, Fred's, the- uh, I got four games. Well, uh, the first one didn't start off too well. They they stayed uh, at home uh, coming off that win against Anaheim the game before St. Louis. Uh Three-game win streak, trying to make it four, but ran into a red-hot Blues team. Believe it or not, they t- the shots were even at 35 apiece. So it seems like a pretty even game, but the Blues got three quick goals, two power play goals in the first period, and that really put the Preds uh, behind the eight ball. Uh Forsberg did eventually tie it, tie it at three in the second period, but just the Blues were just too strong, and uh, the Blues they scored. Robert Thomas scored the game-winning goal late in the third period with two thirty-eight, and then, they, then that's they, just that, a heartbreaker. Those are and heartbreakers. The, and then they added two more after that in the final couple minutes, mm. final minute, yeah, minute and so- a half. But it just was an ugly game. Um, You're going to have those once in a while. And the Preds are, they're in, uh, you know, they're still in the wild card spot. I mean, they're, they're, they're sitting okay right there at the moment, but they need to, they need to pick these things up. Yeah. So then they moved to Minnesota and I'm like, oh boy, here we go. Hey. Um, I don't know if I got that song. Thank God. Just keep going. Oh, I found it. Yeah, well, luckily I didn't get to, we didn't have to hear that too well. And in fact, uh, it, it would have been the other way around as the Predators won big 6-2. to two. Oh. They were just all over the, just all over them. They actually got outshot 28-25. to 25. Um, But they, they scored, uh, uh, they had what five shots on goal in the th- first period, and they they scored one of them. So one on, one for five on shots, but they opened up. Uh, well, uh, the Wild did tie it at one, but then it was just just the Predators, uh, and then uh, of course the Wild did uh, tie it to get it too. But then after that, um, the Preds just they put pour, it they put it down. Put, put it in the fifth gear. Or six gear. Yeah, I, I actually uh, watched the recaps of that game, and that was that was a well played game by by Nashville. Like you could just see that, you know, they were not going to let that game slip away in any way, shape, or form, and they just they just were were relentless. Yossi and Forsberg showed up big time, and yep. uh, trade bait Forsberg. No, um, and then. Uh, so then they returned home. That was a quick road trip uh, to play the Penguins. As uh, well, little little rivalry there. 
and Saros just he was he was definitely the player of the game. He he, he shined. Thirty five saves. I'm gonna say this, uh, folks. I got to intervene here. I got to intervene. Sorry to interrupt you, Dan. And I'm sure you're gonna tell me during the editing session that, oh, you interrupted me. But here's why I got to interrupt you. So, after they played the Wild, I logged into my betting app. I'm not gonna say who it is because, you know, we don't. I don't want to use their names and get in any trouble yet. But I logged into my betting app and I was like, you know what? I just have a hunch that Nashville is going to beat Pittsburgh by a score of three to one. So it's a three to one game. And I was like, okay, I'm going to just put, I'm going to put a cup, like literally a few bucks on it, like five bucks maybe. And the return was like 150, 160 bucks. I was like, okay, it's five bucks and I have a chance to win 150. So, I had the Wings game that night. I was doing stuff for the family. I turn on the end of the the Preds Penguins game, and it's three to one. Three to one after three, two. Three minutes left in the third period. The score is three to one. And I was like, oh my god, I might actually win a bet because I never win my bets ever. And then the Penguins pulled their goalie. And that trail three to one. That idiot Jack, score. Uh Yakov Trenin. Mm. Yakov Trenin scored the end of that goal. Oh, I thought he said it was Jano. No, he I scored. I didn't get a chance to watch it. He scored the second goal. That was the that put it up to four to one, right? Yes. Yeah. So I was and, I was ruined at that point anyway, and I was like, "Oh come on!" And Nashville had four shots on goal in the third period. And of course, that, I mean, it was an empty net goal, but the Penguins outshot them big time, thirty six twenty five. So, um, yeah, they just. I still think Dan just think- just Saros was just unbelievable in that game. See, I still think I know you got another game to recap, but I really think that. Nashville's turning it on at the right time. This, to me, I know it's not entirely the same, but for me, not being a Nashville fan, I feel like this is what they did when they made their their Stanley Cup run. They just got really hot at the right time and carried that momentum through the playoffs. And now is the time to do that, and they're doing it. So... I'm excited to see what they do throughout the playoffs. I'm I'm just going to be honest. I'm Detroit's not in it. I'm I'm pulling for Nashville. So I think they're getting hot at the right time. I'm done talking. Go ahead and finish your recaps. Yeah. So it, it, it's just like they turn it on when they want to, and then it, it just stuff happens. And like the next game, uh, they got to go to Philadelphia, which is my last game. I got to recap this week. And, of course, um, Flyers uh, honored Giroux's 1,000th game. So it seems like there's a little, uh, you know. Now, did he play? Uh, yeah, he did play. He the, did, okay. All the, all the, player, all, all the players had, had his number on, on his, where, well, normally where they put the number on their yep. upper chest. Um, but all the players had that number, his number on there. So, That's cool. But uh, believe it or not, Soros dominated early. I mean, I don't know if the Predators just – I don't know if they were, you know, the ceremony 
when they're just kind of waiting around while while they had the ceremony. Uh, I didn't yeah I didn't get to see the ceremony, so I don't know how long it was. I might have it just been a quick thing. Uh, but uh, if it was for Saros, it would have been a lot worse. Um, and then uh, McCarran fought McEwen twice and. Uh, well, uh, well t- <laughs> it was just one fight, but and 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 McCarran actually has the weight advantage on the McEwen, but he just didn't show up for that fight because he got McEwen hits him three he, times, he, he drops to his knees. I, I think like, Mc- I ain't done yet. I ain't done yet. And he gets back up. McEwen's like, okay, bang, 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 pops him down a second time. I like, think. Oh, uh, Karen, you should have just stayed down. I think McCarran got two fights total, <laughs> or I mean, two 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 punches, two punches total. <laughs> In the visor. what? No, they yeah, didn't. Was, I, was, I don't. I don't believe his helmet on, but no, he just. Yeah, I don't know. It was not a and, good fight. And, their helmets. He did. And then, of course, that got the fans, and that got the flyers uh, into it, and then the flyers went and scored almost immediately out of the fight. Mm-hmm. Um. So, it seems like it happens a lot. You know, we got to. You know what? Let's let's take a note and, of this for the next episode, Dan. Let's talk about enforcers because I think there's definitely a place in the league for them. And I'm not talking about like your Bob Probert type enforcer. I'm talking about like your like Detroit fans, like a Luke Witkowski, even a Giovanni Smith, like who who G's starting to play a little bit better offensively. But when he mixes it up, you know, even the pushing and shoving, maybe a fight, win or lose, it just changes the dynamic of the game. So let's let's keep that for a future episode. Sorry to interrupt, it's just, but you you just hit a great point. There nothing really happened up until that fight, so I don't know. I mean, it was not like you know big you know any hit hits, you know, big hits or anything that would cause them to to, to try to fight. But then, uh, you know, why, did they, why did they drop the mitts? Do you know? Like, is there a history? I, or? I, I don't think they have a history. I think they just wanted We're to bored? go. This game's, this game's <laughs> boring. Like, I'm bored. Yeah. Well, I, well I think Saros is dominating. He was making some huge saves. So I think McEwen wanted to change the momentum a little bit. Yeah, and it worked. But, and then, uh, after the Flyers scored, Yossi takes a boarding penalty, which really wasn't. I, I mean, yeah, I'm a Preds fan. Um, it was a penalty. Yes, it was a penalty, but the Flyer guy, I don't remember who he had. Um, he f- he actually fell just before Yossi made the hit, so it made it look worse than, than it actually was. But then, of course, Soros is he shined on that power play. I mean, the Flyers had it in the zone pretty much the whole power play. And then, of course, Ekholm takes a cross-checking on Farabee, who actually flopped. I mean, it, 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 it might have been interference. But in my opinion, I don't think it should have been a penalty or at least give Farabee a penalty. Because he just, it's like he got shot. He just hit the deck. <laughs> I mean, it's like, yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> so. Sniper picked him off. Yeah, must be. And that wasn't the first time Furby did that in this game. Um, 
And then, of course, they gave the Flyers a, I think it was a, a makeup call. They, they gave him a penalty on Giroux. And, of course, the fans, you know, the Flyers fans. All they, the broad street oh, fans. They, they had the booze out this game. The boomers? Yeah. And, of course, the Flyers, um, be, well, if you know, uh, Terry Crisp is uh, the, mm-hmm. the, well, he used to be a commentator for the Braves, but now he's just doing the, uh, the uh, in between periods uh, analysts, and this is this is his last season. He's going to retire, and so the I think you know teams as they're going around, they're kind of making like a little farewell. Yeah, and and he played for the you know, he actually won a couple cups with the Flyers, um, and so the the Flyers honored uh, him with a video tribute, which which was That's pretty cool. nice. And uh, so after the first period, the Flyers were leading in shots 17 to 11. So here comes the second period. Oh, boy. Genoa scores are right off the bat, 19 seconds in the second period. It was like, yeah, great. But then the Flyers responded. Uh, York scored. And Soros, as good as he was in the first period, I thought he was kind of shaky in the second. And then the Flyers went up 3 to 1. And then uh, former Flyers, uh, Philippe Myers, who was involved in the uh, Ryan Ellis trade, and I believe Cody Glass was involved with Vegas. That's what got, uh, the, um, I can't think of his name. The Predators actually, uh, Nolan Patrick maybe, shipped him out to Vegas for, but in other words, uh, I th- this was Myers' first game against the Flyers and he scores a goal, which is actually his first goal as a Pred. And and then uh, uh, the Preds took another penalty, but you know he killed off I think half the penalty himself. He there's one shift he was just lock it. He was just carrying the puck end to end, brought it in pat under behind uh, the Flyers goalie. He was he was just relentless on the puck. Uh, but then uh, yeah, McEwen was called for another penalty. Uh, actually, it was more like interference. And then, uh, so the Preds got a power play, but they did not shoot the puck. They just kept passing, passing. But in the Flyers' defense, they did a really good job of taking away the shooting lanes. So, But the Preds should have at least at least shot the puck. <laughs> they were just moving the puck. And of course they had a uh they had a couple of good uh, power plays. They had a double they had a uh double minor and then uh of course the fans booed again. And then uh Johansson scored in the power play to tie it three three after being down three to one. So I'm thinking, oh boy, here we go. The fly, the Preds are finally coming back and uh Gonna mount a comeback. Mount a comeback as they usually do, but then uh, uh, and that actually uh, Yossi got an assist on that one, which uh, gave him the most assists in Preds history. It's fifty-four. And so after the second period, it was twenty to nineteen shots for the Flyers. So they're still getting out shot. And then in the third period, Forsberg scores his thirty-second. 
puts them up uh, four to three. And I'm thinking, yes, here we go. We're gonna we're gonna take this game. But then, oh, uh, and that was uh, Forsberg's 210th uh, career goal. Oh, that was a beautiful goal. That was a little behind the between the legs shot. Made uh, Carter Hart look stupid. It wasn't it wasn't the Michigan, but it was still pretty goal. And uh, in the third period, you know, actually, uh, you're not gonna like this with the uh, hits, but he broke Weber's uh, franchise hit tracker with 212. Again, there's that stat that we just don't yeah, know much about. Yeah, which actually the hit stat started in 2003, so. It, Really not that old, so. And then, uh, out. but then the Flyers, uh, they uh, they kept pushing back, and they they actually thought they scored, but it, uh, they they had to review it. It was called back. It was which actually good play because I mean it was a high, they play with a high stick. Cam Askinson knocked it down, but it was it was way over his head. It's, there's that stick again, that yep. fifty foot, fifty foot Paul stick. Bunyan. <laughs> and of course, when they said no goal, the fans they continued their booze. <laughs> um, and of course, then they got all over the rafts, which kind of I don't blame them for that. And then uh, third period, here we go. Farabee took a dive. Um, he did get a penalty for holding the stick. But he, at first they were just going to call the Preds uh, for a uh, penalty, but then they were like, wait a minute, he was holding my stick. Um, so they gave him a, they gave him a penalty, and that, that, they, they could have gave him a diving penalty because he, he flopped again. So better watch. You, you take a look at Farabee. I don't know if he's got a history of that or if that was just a, I mean, twice in one game. And then, of course, the Flyers tied it up late in the game. Another late another late fall, uh, setback for the Preds. And, I mean, Saros had some moments, but overall he was just pathetic. And then the Flyers scored with a, another late goal. Well, a minute 19 left. And they end up with 34, 33 shots. Yeah, I, so that wasn't it. Wasn't too bad of a of a week for the Preds. I mean, at least there's some. Well, two and two, which probably should have been three and one. Well, let's move into the next segment here. Um, let's, uh, you know, we're going to talk about the trades. We got some good good stuff coming up in the show. So let's, uh, you know, let's let's continue with that as we. Uh, did we get back? All right, so, you know, after that brief little break, we're back. We're going to talk about trade talk. You know, first, I'm going to start out with the Red Wings here and, um, you know, there's been reports out that Steve Eiserman is open to discussions on everybody but Larkin, Raymond, and Cider. 
So that leaves the door pretty open. Um, what about Verona? I hate, I'm just telling you, those are the three people that Eisenman said are safe. So I don't know if that's one of his tactics. I know Scotty Bowman. Um, now this is a backstory of kind of how Steve Eisenman learned a little bit more about the game. Uh, when, when Eisenman came into the league, he started into a slump. He actually, Scotty Bowman, picked up the phone and called the Buffalo Sabres and said, do you want Steve Eisenman? Well, of course we want Steve Eisenman. Well, what would you give me for him? They listed their, their selling price. And Bowman came back to Eisenman and said, listen, you're inches away from becoming a Buffalo Sabre. So figure it out. And, you know, we're going to fast forward and here it is. So I'm wondering if this is just one of those tactics of, you know, obviously I don't think he's going to get rid of Verona. I don't think he's going to get rid of um, Nedeljkovic. Like, I just don't see those types of guys going. Like, your Ernie's, your Nick Levy's, your Mark Stahl's, who Stahl, I feel like, is going to be trade bait. And I think Eisenman's going to try to get a pick for him and then pick him back up in the offseason because um, they really like his veteran presence. He's not playing amazing, but he's been playing better as of late. And if he's got the locker room, I think that's something big for Eisman because we've got a couple of young defensemen who are going to be coming up in the next year or two, and they're going to need some kind of veteran presence because, I mean, even Larkin, he's not really – he's a veteran, but he's, he's young. So I think you're going to see that. Now here's the interesting one, Wings fans. And, Dan, I want to hear your thoughts on this. There's a lot of talk about Bertuzzi being moved. And Eisman's report – on Bertuzzi was it would probably take a couple of early, definitely a first round, and then an early, you know, second or third round. So it's going to be your top, you know, three rounds. There's going to be two picks and a prospect, not a not an established guy for Bertuzzi. And I'm going to give you my thoughts, and I want to hear what your thoughts are because I'm, I'm interested to hear you as a hockey guy and how you feel about it. So my thoughts are, pull the trigger. I like Bert. I want to keep Bert. I think he brings a lot of fire and energy onto the ice. I think he's got a motor that never stops. Um, he can find the back of the net. He's in a little bit of a slump. But he's one of their best players. Now, the reason I'm saying you trade him is because the wings are still probably two, three, four years out from a really good playoff run. Maybe even a couple years to make the playoff, but a couple years after that to actually really take it to the next level and be considered a cup contender. At that time, Bertuzzi is going to be, I'm not sure if he'll be in his prime or slightly past his prime, but I feel like what Detroit needs to do is still build through the draft, try to find your players like your, you know, Vasilevskis and your your um, Kucherovs and players like that who you're going to build through the draft, who are NHL-ready almost instantly, maybe a year in the minors, but can come right up and make an impact, kind of like a Mo Sider. Drafted him, played in the AHL. But I think that um, I think getting rid of Burt and getting a couple of draft picks and a prospect, I think that would be tremendous. If we can land a deal like that and somebody's willing to do that, 
I mean, he, Bert can go to a team, you know, I'm not saying Nashville, but he can go to a team like Nashville and make a difference almost instantly. Uh, it sounds like they're in a total, they're going backwards. Sounds like they're in a total, you know, re, a rebuild. I, I, I thought they were like about ready to come out of it, but it sounds no. like they're actually going to go no, right back. No, no. They're going to go right back into it. Well, they're but, not out of it. Um, not out of it. See, they, they need to get the players. I mean, you, you gotta, you know, they just don't have the players. Like right now, like our third and fourth line are abysmal. Like they're just not doing anything. There's pieces of those lines that will be good. Like, I think you keep a guy like Giovanni Smith. I know a lot of people are going to argue with me, and they're going to probably write me hate mail saying that I'm an idiot. But you need That's rat and run. That's right. But you need that, that presence on the ice. Like, you need that guy, almost like a Wayne Simmons, who's not going to put up 50 goals a year, but he'll put up just enough. He's going to protect the guys out there. And when he's there, his presence is known. But so, I just think that, yeah, Detroit's a few years off. You got, there's enough, like you can get rid of Ernie. You can get rid of probably Troy Stature eventually. Um, you're going to lose Nick Letty, who, who was sat in the last game. I mean, there's a lot of guys out there on Detroit who will be easily replaceable with better talent if they can get it through the draft and through prospects. Because the, the key of the game is you want these guys to play together for a long period of time. Look at Tampa Bay. Look at St. Louis. These teams that are making multiple runs at Cups and winning multiple Cups, these teams have players who are established, the core guys. They've played together for many years. They're all very similar in age. And they're just they're, they're incredible. I mean, as much as I hate, 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 Brad Marchand, his line with Pasta and Bergeron is probably one of the best lines in the NHL. And why is that? Because they're all about the same age. They've played together for many years. They've got a chemistry. They just, they, if you watch them pass the puck, Marchand will put it right on Pasta's stick 9.9 out of 10 times. And it pains me to say that. It really hurts me to say that. But that's what you get when you get these guys who are young playing together. Like, you're going to see that in Detroit with, like, Mo Sider putting it on Lucas Raymond's stick, you know, on Raymond's stick. So you keep Eiserman. If you keep Larkin and Raymond together and you add that third piece of the puzzle, I mean, it could be a Verona. You, you, might, you might see Verona bump up to the first line. And so – you know, let them build chemistry. They're all young guys. But that's why I'm saying you get rid of Burt. Let him go to a cup contender now. Let him make a run with whatever team that he's going to make a run with. And then you've got all these young prospects. So you're going to have a core group of guys that are going to play together for many years. That's how you win cups in today's NHL. I'm sorry. That's how you do it. Yes, you'll add some so veterans, but – Go ahead. So going back to Bertuzzi, uh, as as much as I mean, he's a great player, and I'd love to have him, but I don't, I, I don't see the Preds doing that. Um, I I just don't think he would be a fit. And they, I mean, they got some other players uh, around his caliber, like uh, like Assistants, even a Janelle, you know mm-hmm. that 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 are you know are are like 
his style, you know, scores and gritty hitting, mm-hmm. you know, that that kind of stuff. So I don't, I, I just don't think it wouldn't, it wouldn't mesh. So I, I think it would, you know, I, I, I probably see him going to Western Conference team. Um, not a Canadian to, team. Probably like maybe a Colorado, St. Louis, yeah, maybe, Colorado, maybe even a Minnesota. But yeah, I mean, like a team like Colorado. I mean, I hope I hope Detroit wouldn't do that just because well, I hate Colorado so much. But I think Bertuzzi needs to go to a team that's all in. Like, well, I, I throw a football reference out there every once in a while. But, uh, but see, with Colorado, that Landeskog is injured. He should be back for the playoffs, but he just had surgery, so that's a big hole right there. Then you know, maybe that maybe that would fit. I'm not saying they're the same style, but it, it would fit. You know, see, it, it nice, would fill a hole. See, the other nice thing that I didn't mention is Bertuzzi is up for a big payday next year. Detroit's just not in a position to rebuild, paying out what he's going to be worth. You can only have so many guys making big money in order to build a team, and he's just going to demand too much money. Like if he goes into arbitration again, he's going to get a payday. I mean, that's all there is to it. So somebody's got to be willing to take on, you know, that payday before they hit that payday. So like a team like Colorado, that's a great point. D-Law is that they might be a team that could say, you know, we're going to get Bertuzzi. We'll put Landis Gog on, you know, long-term IR just to cheat the system and bring him back, which I think Vegas is doing. Um, but you take a guy like Bertuzzi, Colorado's going to give up an arm and leg for him because this is the year that they really have a shot at winning the cup. So why not put every piece of the puzzle together now? I mean, do you see why they shouldn't make that move? No, unless there is some other uh, you know, top players that are on the trade block and uh that that, that that's a good seg and in moving into somebody there's a lot of lot a lot of nhl uh, uh movements coming on and yeah. and some, something just happened now the kraken are sitting giordano again so it looks like he might yeah. be he he might be looking at uh moving but um Interesting. Uh, so uh, that's his uh, his second straight game that he's going to be sitting, and okay. uh, uh, Eichel's injured again. Uh, let's see, how about um, Ben Sherat going to uh, was it Florida mm-hmm. from Montreal? Yep, yep. So that's some uh, and uh, that's, that's that that's an interesting move for Florida Panthers. Uh, they traded a prospect and a first-round draft pick and a fourth-round pick. So do you think, let me ask you this question, you know, because I've been reading a lot of articles on the trade deadline, and I'm going to spring this on you, and you have no idea that it's even coming, but you realize that Forsberg hasn't re-signed yet, correct? Uh, they are still working on it. Do you think that he's going? Do you think he wants to resign? Why uh, hasn't he worked out a deal yet? 
I think, yeah, I, I, I just, uh, I, I, there's a lot of, a lot of things behind the scenes that they got to work on. Um, I, I think there's like, um, I think uh, there might be, I think there's some bonus uh, structures that they're working on and, you know, that, that kind of stuff. Um, he, he, he's actually, he's, he's got, he's got the Preds, you know, in his corner, you know, as far as, you know, cause, oh, cause you know, fan favorite too. Cause yeah. But, um, so we'll just wait and see what, what happens in, in that. Um, do you think he's worth a big payday? Uh, I think he's worth more than Duchesne. I mean, Duchesne's a fan favorite and everything, but I, I if, if it comes down to, his, uh, being uh, a Ford, Forsberg or Duchesne, I think I'd rather like to keep Forsberg. I mean, Duchesne's older. Yep. And Forsberg's just getting into his prime now. And it seems like, you know, the Predators have always lost players like that, like a Fiala. Yep. They traded Fiala, who is now in his prime. I mean, he was just starting to get up into it uh, just before they traded him. Which I mean, they did get Granlin for him, so I mean, they you know, it, it worked out for them, but I, I you know, looking back, I mean, I hated that trade. I hated to see him go, but it worked out. Uh, Grant, I mean, yeah, but I'm for uh, Fiala does have more points, but Granlin, he he just has. The, the 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 big the big goals like when the predators need a goal he'll come up and get it but um so uh moving on to some other other trades uh Colorado acquired Josh Manson for the Ducks so it looks like that yeah. might be a playoff mode so you've got two, you've got two teams that are all in that I'm seeing right now and the reason that I agreed with you on the Bertuzzi aspect of it going to Colorado because Colorado's all in. And then you've got your Eastern team that's all in, and that is the Florida Panthers. Um, a lot of resources, or resources, a lot of sources are tying Claude Giroux to Florida. Uh, but they, but the th- going to Florida though, they 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 traded uh, Frank Vitrano to the Rangers, which. So? Honestly, I think the Rangers stole him. Um, I th- I don't I can't understand that trade because the Panthers just got a, a fourth round draft pick, um, and I Vitrano is I mean he's not a top line player he's probably like a third or fourth line player but he's a scorer he mm-hmm. can score goals and in the playoffs. Those third and fourth liners are the ones that get, you know, they're, they're the ones who score the goals, the gritty goals. And I, I, you know, I just think that Vitrano should have been part of the playoff run. <clears throat> but um, another interesting move, the Calgary Flames acquired Kelly Yarncrook for the Kraken. Uh, and they, you know, just for a draft pick, actually a second and a third round pick uh, and a seventh round pick. So I, I don't know. 
Is that a lot for him? I mean, yeah, it's a seventh round pick. That's the last round. Maybe that's just like a throw in. But a second and a third round pick? Uh, I, I, I'm thinking, I mean, Kelly Crook's a great player, and I, I really wish he was still on the Predators, which he was an expansion casualty, which we'll get into that some other time. Um, but I think the Flames overpaid for him. Well, we shall find out, won't we? Um, what other news? Did you... Oh, um, we're going into the news. Are we going to segue into news now? Because yeah, I don't uh, think there's many more trade things yet. The depth yeah, I think that's that's about a, a lot of rumors right now. Um, but I think, like, I think you're going to see Giroux go. I think you might possibly see Bertuzzi dealt, and Forsberg getting resigned is going to be, you know, it's going to be a a big question mark right now. At least in my book, I, I know you're saying he's staying, but and he probably is. But I just think that uh, you know I, I know the Flyers are like one third what worth third of the worst or third you know they're like one of the worst teams. They're in the rebuild. That's but what sell sell sell. I, I, I mean Claude Giroux is older. You know he's just got his thousandth game, but I don't know. He's not a part of their future. I, but That's I don't. Plain and simple to d- but I don't know if should they have trade him because yeah, I mean he should trade him. Yeah, but he's like he is the fan. I mean, who cares? He is their fan favorite, and they're. I mean, they just. Uh, what will the What will the fans do if they trade him? Just because think about this. if if they still, uh, if they still live by. I mean, I know as. I know as a GM, you can't do what the fans want because you'll never, you know, you're going to keep these players that the fans love and you See, probably never win a game. How you, that's how you think. You think with your heart. And I, I applaud well, that. Not, 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 not me. I'm just saying. As I'm trying to, you know, I was saying as a GM, you can't, you, you can't be, uh, you, you can't do what the fans want. Because you, you know, if you keep the fan favorites, you might not win a game because these, I mean, they might be good players, but you know, you need well, a team. Yeah, let's just let's just call a spade a spade here. The Flyers are abysmal this year. They're yeah, trash. and and they they're beat garbage. the Predators, and they scored five goals on the Predators who, on Soros. Who cares? The President yeah. off day. We'll just call it yeah, an off day. Off day. But to, so. but to get to get to my point is they're they're the laughing stock of the NHL. So, like you hear more people talking about the Flyers being terrible than you do Buffalo. Yeah, well, that and their fans just giving it to the refs so it's every time they make but, a call. <laughs> but what I mean is they're not going anywhere. They have no future right now. So why not get rid of a guy like Claude Drew? Let him go get his Stanley Cup run that he's not going to get in Philadelphia and get something in return that's going to be valuable to your future as a you know a dynasty in Philadelphia they, I mean it's going to take you have to get the right draft picks you have to do your homework I mean there's a lot to it it's not just well this kid looks good but you know I'm, I'm kind of getting off topic but he's not he's not he's not a piece of the puzzle that's going to get them to the Stanley Cup in the next three years so you might as well let him go. Let him go down to Florida. Let him get his cup run. Get something in return. Uh, you see, I don't think they would trade to Florida. 
Philadelphia and Florida. I, we'll I, I don't next, know. We'll find I mean, next show. I said, uh, may, maybe if, you know, maybe if, you know, they don't have to play them again, but I don't know. Just, yeah. But um, speaking of a Florida team, did you see what Bobby Taylor, the commentator for the Lightning, uh, said over the air? <laughs> well, here's what Rant and Ronnie's going to say over there. He's an idiot. I I actually have a clip of the uh, comment, which I'm going gonna, gonna to play right now. I don't know why Bruce Boudreaux is looking so perplexed. The last thing, he knows the rules. No, he doesn't. Do you never ask a player or a coach the rules? They don't know it. It's a follow-through, you moron. It's been that way since 1940. And that's in re- and that's in reference to now, mind you, that is the most idiot thing you can say. You moron. <laughs> because he's, he, I mean, who is this guy? First of all, he, you moron. He, <laughs> I think we should keep that clip, and every time I or you say something stupid, we just play that. You moron. Yes, keep it. <laughs> I like it. But anyway, but anyway, there's two. You have two announcing crews that are by far the worst, most atrocious, Boston idiots. Are your Tampa Bay Lightning and your Boston Bruins? Jack Edwards is the biggest prick in the entire world. Brad Marchand. Licking faces, slew-footing people, spearing people in the nuts, and this Jack Edwards clown is, well, I don't see anything wrong with that. He should have his head up. What do you mean have his head up? He just got Brad Marchand's stick shoved through his penis hole at 100 miles an hour. Like, why your head being up has nothing to do with that. Like, Brad Marchand... I'm all late. <laughs> Brad Marchand can do no wrong in this guy's eyes. All his suspensions, all of his fines were all just BS. They were non-existent. They should never have happened. It's like this guy's trying to end people's careers and give them herpes. And, you know, it's it's just condone. Like, we're just going to condone that? Like, get get out of here. And, you know, these these announcing crews are just... They're, I get it. They're for the fans. I personally will never listen to them, um, you know. But those are the guys. They're gonna be this. They're gonna be doing the small biz shows all the time. They're they're gonna be, you know, stuck in Boston. You know, at least I can say that Ken Daniels, Mickey Redmond can be a bit of a homer sometimes. Not terrible. He'll call out Detroit more than, you know, you'd like. But you've got Ken Daniels, who's been on the national stage several times. You know, those are the guys that I respect the most, who can call a game because it's a game. They can call it fair because it should be fair. And you don't want to see this. uh, I don't know. I just personally don't like it. So even when Mick gets into his little rants, I I don't like it. Because it's like, no, he, he, he shouldn't have done that. That was a stupid play. He shouldn't have put his stick out there, trip or no trip. And it's funny you just mentioned the Tampa Bay announcers uh, uh, the Rick Peckham has ties to Rochester uh, oh. as, as we're local area yeah he was he used to call games for the Rochester Americans uh, in the late 70s early 80s 
Hmm. Interesting little factoid there. I appreciate that, D-Law. But yeah, that's just that was uncalled for. I, I don't think that was a good call at all. And to say that Boudreaux, who I had just got done talking about, he's got like a phenomenal record since being the bench boss for Vancouver. And Yeah, but he he's played, a moron. <laughs> well, according to another moron. You know, like I used to say, you know, my my family, and not that any listener cares, but my dad's Ron, my grandfather's Ron, so one of us would always walk into a store and say, hey, I'm Ron, and these are two morons. And, right, it's, but but getting back to my point is this, this guy's calling out Bruce Boudreaux, who has one of the most, I mean, I'm not saying the winningest record in the NHL, but in that, in that time span, he's really evolved this team with his new system, and, and he's done well. So... Really quick, getting back to the play. But, that, that but why this announcing? Let's just for our it, audience. It's not professional. I mean, he, he he is a commentator for an NHL team, and he says that over the year. That's something a a guy that's podcast, uh, uh, that that's somebody that's that's uh, doing play by play for a high school hockey team on YouTube uh, does. Yep. yep, exactly, and that's and see that's that's the one thing that I'm gonna, but the play that we're talking about here is so I, I don't know the players who were involved but one of the Tampa Bay players had taken a shot and he brought his stick up and he kept bringing his stick up and it caught one of the Canucks in the face and it cut him so initially they called a penalty for high sticking and then the refs convened. They came back and said, no, we're not going to call that because it was on the follow-through. So, of course, Boudreaux, doing the job that he's supposed to do, which is to go to bat for his team and try to get that penalty. I mean, the, the guy got all sliced up. So, of course, he's going to try to figure out what the hell's going on. Why, why wasn't there a penalty called? Why is he getting away with this? And he had every right. He had every right. I mean, I would have done the same thing. I'm sure Blasha would have done the same thing. Scotty Bowman would have done the same thing. I mean, all these people probably would have done the exact same thing. But, um, you know, he had to. And to call him a moron for doing his job is just, it's, it's Bush League to me. But I'm wondering, uh, is the the Chiefs see now because I don't understand that comment. I mean, let's listen to it again. I don't know why Bruce Boudreaux is looking so perplexed. The last he thing he knows the rules. No, he doesn't. What do you, what do you, what do you mean he doesn't know the rules? He's a coach. He knows the rules better than you. Yep. You moron. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't understand that comment. I, it's like he lost it. And and the funny thing is. I used to think that they, those two announcers were really good, but they've really—I yeah, don't know. I mean, I don't watch—I don't watch them very much anymore. But you, I don't know. You played that well. You played that well. Like I'm still laughing about that. So, of course, you know the, so, the rules. What are you, up? A moron? Yeah. <laughs> so, I, so, I like that. that well, speaking of morons, how about? <laughs> Speaking of morons, how about the officiating lately? Oh, I mean, oh, let's not get into. I mean, it. I mean, you're so pathetic. You're so pathetic. 
<laughs> it's it's bad. I mean, um, Mitch Marner, you're gonna have to bleep me out, you know, if we want to keep this family friendly. But so Mitch Marner was caught on a hot mic because he has. So they had taken a couple of penalties. You know, they were they were true penalties. One was a tripping, one was a slashing. In today's NHL, they they will get called 99% of the time. However, the issue that I had with it was while I'm actually watching this game and I'm saying like, okay, those are penalties. Mitch Marner's got two hands wrapped around him, kind of getting a Verona treatment, just getting dragged down the ice. So after this happens, you hear on the mic, get ready to bleep me. He says, <laughs> call the game even you. Right. There it is. So, I mean, you get my, you get where I'm getting going with that. I mean, he, he called him out, like call, call the game evenly. That's all there is to it. But he used a couple of choice words in there. Right. Had to. And it's true. Like when, see, now my question is, when are the refs going to be held accountable? Is that, is that Toronto calling to tell us that uh, we can't have the refs? <laughs> That was, but Dan, let me let me ask you this question. Let me ask you this question. Now, do you know, or have you seen, or I I don't know this answer. That's why I'm asking, and you know, it might make us look bad here for not knowing this. But what are the credentials that refs have to go through each year? Like, do I just get certified and then I'm certified for life, and then I just have to train on any rule changes? Like what? What makes me qualified to continue being a ref in the NHL? Uh, they have to go through uh, like like uh, like the USA Hockey refs. They have to go through uh, training modules and all nice stuff. Well, it's even with the NHL, it's even uh, more strict. Well, let me ask this question now. So now that we've established that what are the consequences or who would handle the consequences for well, obviously the league doesn't do anything um, I'm wondering if they don't because it would kind of look it would give them a black eye because they're like oh yeah we know they screwed up uh, we can't really discipline them yeah but even <laughs> I mean you have a pretty I don't want to say a personal story because that sounds not not accurate but the the preds actually have a you know they they were they fell victim to it hard last year like somebody actually lost their job over it and that's exactly what what should have happened but why are more of these officials like if i go out and i slash somebody across the face i got to go in front of a board i have to plead my case Kind of like Austin Matthews, which we'll get into in the news. But you know, I'm just going to use his example. So his situation, which we'll talk about more, which I'm sure all of our listeners know about because he's a, a big league name. He has to go plead his case. They review it. They look at it. And they say, nope, we've reviewed this several times. And according to our our standards and our, our rules, you're done. You get You're, you're going to sit for a couple of days. Why aren't the refs held to that same standard where you're refing this game 
I mean, somebody has to be watching this and say, nope. Like, obviously, it's a very fast-paced game. So I'm, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt because it's a fast-paced game, but they're supposed to be in certain positions. They know that they're supposed to be in certain positions. Like, there was one recently in... Oh, man, I forget the game. I think it was Washington... And I don't remember who they were playing, but it was late in the third. The team was down by a goal. They're, you know, a puck goes in, like, into the goalie, rebound. Another shot hits the goalie. He goes to cover the puck, but he missed. So the puck was still loose. The ref was all the way in the corner and blew the whistle dead. That would have been a goal. And I actually think the puck went in but they waved it off immediately. Now, that is something that that referee should be held to a standard. And I'm not saying you fine them, you know, the league minimum, because they're not a part of the NHLPA. So what I think needs to start happening is refs need to start paying fines for calls like that. Because... There, there's just too it's too hard to get away with it and I'm not saying and you might disagree with me but I'm not saying that the refs shouldn't be allowed to make mistakes but when it's blatant because you're out of position when somebody skates by you getting a trolley ride like that should be called that there's no reason that you should skate by a referee and a linesman with a guy wrapped around you and you get a penalty or, you, there, there, or there's no penalty called. Now here's another Detroit Red Wing example. So in the Vancouver, or I'm sorry, in the Edmonton game, um, Dreisaitl had Joey Valeno. He had two hands on his stick. Actually one of them was over the top of the stick, if that makes any sense. So he's holding it, and he goes up and gets in Valeno's hands, and he pulls, and it brought Valeno down. He hooked him, and it was a legitimate two-handed, I'm going to hook you and get in, in, you know, get in your way so you don't have a breakaway. Valeno goes down. They had offsetting minor penalties, a hook and an embellishment. It's like, how do you call that an embellishment? A, he barely fell. Like, you could see that he tried to stay up and continue the play. And he ended up falling. Two, Dreisaitl had two hands on the stick, up into his midsection, yanking. Like, come on. There's no way that that should be called embellishing. Now, if I touch, like, if I touch your calf and you go sliding down, like you're sliding into home plate, yes, that's an embellishment. But when you have two hand on a stick and you're getting yanked to the, the ice, I'm sorry, that's just not an embellishment, embellishment call. It's just not. And I've almost said this a million times, or I must have said this a million times. I find it hard to call an embellishment and a, you know an offsetting infraction in the same play. Because if I, if I hook you, or I trip you, or I slash you, then 
there's going to be some kind of a reaction. And I know there are times, and I, I shouldn't say every time, but when it's very difficult to see if it was an actual embellishment call or not, I just have a hard time seeing offsetting penalties with that because, A, if you weren't going to call the hook, then you can just call the embellishment. If he actually did hook him, then you call the hook. Whatever happens after, happens. I don't know. I just, I, I'm kind of going on a rant here. Yeah, but I don't, I, I don't like the double calls, like the, the embellishing and the hook or trip or whatever it is. It's, to me, it's, it's one or the other. I agree. Uh, I, I don't, th- you can't really have two. Though. There's going to be times like, like, I mean, like, like, say I get my stick caught in your skates. Like, if you just you you fall down just to extremely sell it, that uh, I can see. Like the the game the, the and the the flyer the Predators Flyers uh, with therapy at least twice in that game I think it was a flop. I mean, uh, yeah, I'm a Predators fan. I don't want to be a homer, but uh, looking at it, uh, yeah, he just he flopped. And that to me is embellishment, and they didn't call it. The one they called the holding the stick. They should have, in my opinion, they should have called it an embellishment. I believe if they give an embellishment, um, they if they give an embellishment penalty, I think they get fined. Oh, really? I at least they used to. I don't know the rules on that, so I, I'm not going to comment. But I just, you know, getting back to the actual topic that we were on, I just feel that the referees have been very subpar this year. And I think part of that is because there's more video re- reviews, um, but also not just because there's video reviews. But I just think that the play is speeding up. People are getting faster. So, I mean, maybe that's why they're missing some of these calls. But it's getting to a point where it's, it's just it's laughable. It's just, it's just laughable because you see things and it's like, well, you've got the entire – and I'm not saying just the arena because I am the type of person that I will call out my own team like, wow, we just got away with that. You know, that, that definitely should have been called. And, you know, I just, I just think there's so many times where, and I, and I get it, I get it. They're trying to watch so many different things, like where the puck crosses the line. And, they, and I'm going to say the refs typically do a fantastic job. You're always going to have those plays that are just so fast-paced, they just don't get caught. But I think it's a lot worse this year. There's a lot more, you know, a lot more things yeah. that are missed or causing game. What what the issue is, is it's affecting the outcomes of the game. And I think that's where a lot of the, the issues come in with, you know, the fans and the players and the coaches is now it's just, now it's costing teams games. So I think that's where, you know, a lot of this outrage is coming from. And it's under the, I think it's under the microscope a lot more. Um, 
know, with all the video and right. you know, teams teams can review it, and of course the fans, you know, it's it's all over the media, you know. So it's all over, you know. Even these little things that you don't pick up, you can't hide. Um, Because somebody uh, will catch it, and somebody will put it on social media, and that's uh, it. Like the Austin Matthews incident against Buffalo. Right. Um, You know what? Honestly, like I, I've watched it a few times, D Law, and I, I I have to say, Darlene deserved that. Well, he he gave him a shove. But I don't think it. He, he caught Matthews up high. He caught Matthews. Uh, really well. uh, it just wasn't as blatant. It was more in. It was more of the. No, he hit him in the back. He hit him in the back. I'm actually watching it right now. He he comes in. He didn't get a stick up. He gave him a little shove. Uh, it's just a hockey, you know. And I don't like Delaney. I don't like the Sabers. But I gotta say that. You know, it, it, Darlene, he, he didn't hit him in the head. He, it, it was a little bit. It might, it might have been a little bit from behind, but he, you know, he's going harder than that, and he just gave him a little shove. See, another thing you get. But then Matthews comes back, gives the cross check. Then Darlene, Darlene did give him a Darlene, that. I think that's what made what really. Um, Really irked at Matthews was that. Yeah, I'm pulling the, it up right the, now. Myself. The cross check. Yeah, that that it was a cross check that Darlene cross checked him into the post into the crossbar. I think that's what got him mad. Well, they also Darlene also yeah. crushed Matthews early on. And then and then early but the that game. but then but then Matthews just absolutely crushed it right in the head. That no, that's yeah, that's that is what's got to be get out of the game. The rest, the NHL. What did he, what did Matthews get? Five, two games, two game, two games. Two. Right there, he cross checked the guy in the face. That's got to come out of the game. That's why you need enforcers. I, my Matthews should have got a minimum of five, if not ten or twenty. If, yeah, if the, the if, first play was good, he he did get pushed in, and he got pushed to the ground, which is, yeah, you're right. You're right. It, it, that, it, if the NHL is serious about getting rid of these head hits, you got to. You can't give him a, a slap on the face, a slap on the wrist. Matthews got a slap on the wrist. You're right. But it, it, it's like in youth hockey, stars get away with a lot more than than the average player. You know, like honestly, Marshan should be banned from the game, but he's. He's a phenomenal player. They'll never do that because it's going to hurt the game. You get rid of a guy like Matthews or punish him hard, and it's going to, you know, it's it's going to. I'm not going to say it's going to hurt the game, but you know, it's it's going to. It could lower ratings. I mean, there's. And I'm yeah, not saying but, that that's I mean, the reason. So to me, the NHL is not serious about getting out of the game because in youth hockey, any any. Any kind of head contact, no matter what it is, they get a penalty and they're done for the game. And they get have a hearing. A, get a get a suspension depending on how severe it is. It could yep. be anywhere from one game suspension to five game or even done for the season. So I'm not you know if the NHL you know if the NHL can get rid of these head hits and head contact. 
put that in the rule book. I don't think that's a rule in, in the NHL book. Head contact. Is it? Is there a rule? If not, yeah, there should be. They give him a penalty for head contact and give him a, 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 a kick him out of the game. That then that'll stop. That yeah. will like an automatic game misconduct. Yeah, and and that'll and and on top of that have uh, it should carry at least uh, a one or two game suspension and then a hearing depending on the severity of it to add more to it. Yeah, I mean, you gotta. There's so many different angles that you can look at with that. I mean, there's so many different ways. You know, was it intentional? Was it not intentional? Was it provoked? Was it unprovoked? I mean, there's a lot of different things that you have to consider with something like that because, you know, like with Matthew's case, he was just pissed because he was getting pushed around. Like, we're not going to let the best player in the league right now stand in front of the net wide open. Like, yeah, you come to the this part of the – I mean, anybody – it doesn't matter who you are. Anybody that goes to that part of the, the net, that part of the ice, is going to get roughed up, even in beer league, because I can't make it up and down the ice as fast as a lot of these guys who have been playing longer. So I just plant my big body in front of the goalie, and I get roughed up. Like, it's just – it's part of the game, and I know that that's going to happen. And it's just that's where a lot of the rough stuff happens. So, yeah, you take somebody like Matthews and just set him up in front of the net – yeah, you're gonna get you're gonna get hit. That's all there is to it. That's just it's part of the game. And he went to that part of the ice, and Darlene did his job and got him out of there. So yeah, I think Matthews went too far, and I think he definitely deserved the two games. And that is what it is. Yeah, I think he should have got more. No, two games is a sl- at least five. And and I think I would give Darlene two just for his cross check. And I mean that cross check, he cross checked him into the post in the crossbar. I think right there that 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 that's worth two two games for himself. And then Matthews at least five. Yeah, I, I, I have a hard time with five. And the reason I I say I say that is because you've got Marshand who got five games for. You know his latest shenanigans, well, but he's got that, a laundry well, list of shenanigans. You that know, should have been ten or fifteen. And you also have to realize, and I think they give a lot of leniency when it comes to guys like Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid and Sidney Crosby, because those guys, as much as you don't want to see it, and as much as I don't want to admit it, they take a, a good bit of abuse on the ice. You're the best player on the ice. You're targeted. You're going to get hit. People are going to, you know, you're the best player on the ice. Think think about this. Even in beer league, when you get that that college kid that comes down and plays in a novice beginner, right, that's what they are. But you think about it. What do we do after they, they put up three goals, four goals in our beer league game? I mean, we had a guy and – Hack him with a stick. Hack him. He's like, I'm just going to go slash the hell out of his legs. And I remember there was – Or run their goalie. Or, or run their goalie. But there was one game where their Good best moron. player was staying back at the, at the blue line. Mark skates by, grabs a guy's stick out of his hands, and throws it down the ice. <laughs> that was – I mean, that's what happens when you're the best player on the ice. People target you. It's like you're a, you're a jerk. 
and I don't want to play with you. Like, this is crap. This is not fun. You just took this fun game and made it not fun anymore. And I think that translates into the NHL as well. I mean, you get these guys that just skate circles around everybody. And, you know, they just they, – they take liberties on some of these players. And I just – you know, and I feel – you know, and Lark, even Larkin, he's not hes not elite like you see the McDavid's and stuff like that. He's not an elite goal or player, but he's good. He makes a difference on the ice, and players take liberties on him. So, I mean, I, I understand why some of these stars get away with a little bit more because they take a lot more. But, again, when you two-hand cross-check somebody to the head – like, you know what? I, I get it. He was aiming for his shoulder. That's what he pleaded. You know, I wasn't aiming for his head. I was aiming well, for his shoulder. And then, was- then you better uh, make sure you hit him in the shoulder because you're the best player in the league and you miss. Uh, come on. Yeah. Come on. No, I, I, no, that, that, no, that doesn't. No, you're, you're, you're. You're a top, you're an elite player trying to say that, oh, I meant to hit him in the shoulder. No, 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 don't, don't give me that. You yeah. meant to hit him in the head. <laughs> there, it says, can we change that, our names? Can I be yeah. our law and you can be Rant and Dan? Yeah, I, 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 we better move on. I, I, you, are we done I'm with it? passionate. Yeah, and, um, there was a couple of stories I wanted to to get into, but I think we need to move on to the game. Uh, it, we're getting a little long. I think we need to just move on to the previews. Yeah, yeah, it is and a little bit longer go, than. To, it, 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 was good, it, it was a good conversation. I I really think that you know I really hope that you know we get some listeners that really tune into this because I I do think that this is a great topic and I think that there's so many different discussions that can be had from it. So, yeah, I really hope that we have some people that chime in and, you know, leave us a message on Facebook if you're listening. I know it's kind of long into this segment, but, you know, we're a couple of passionate guys with great views. and But, yeah. And in, in, in state with the, uh, you know, we're talking about uh, Matthews in Toronto. Well, <laughs> the, the Predators got uh, – they're actually home uh, against Toronto. Um, so that, that, you know, I got another busy week. I got four games. Uh, so the Predators at home to face Toronto, who's third in the Atlantic. There's 39, 17, and fives, uh, uh, just two points ahead of Boston. And then they got to go out west. They got a game against Anaheim and L.A. Kings back to back, so another couple of huge, uh, huge games there. The Ducks, as I mentioned last show, they're in a free fall. They're sitting in six of the division. At one time, they were actually leading the division, and then uh, the Kings are thirty-four, twenty-one, and eight, and they're second in the division behind Calgary, who just made a trade for Yardcroak. And uh, and then they got to go visit the Vegas uh, Knights, who are looking for goalies. Since uh, the drunk, my favorite goalie, Robin Leonard, is injured, I, I I have to make one comment about um, 
about the Golden Knights. They are so original that, mark my words, mark my words, they are going to do exactly, exactly what Tampa Bay did last year. Exactly. You know what I mean by, well, you know what oh, I'm talking uh, about? Put, putting a player on long-term at IR so they avoid the salary cap, bring them back for the playoffs where the salary cap doesn't matter, and make a deep run into the playoffs. Now, Jack Eichel just got hurt. So he just came back. He's having, you know, 15 games. I think he's got five goals and a few points. Um, but oh, I bet you they put him on long-term IR. So he got injured again? Yep. Yeah, well, at least we'll have to worry about him. Blocking uh, a shot. Thursday night. But you might. I mean, they don't have a – they just said it could be a longer-than-anticipated injury. That it's worse than they thought. Now, what, what that tells me is he blocked a shot. He either broke something and he might be out. Or he blocked a shot. They're going to keep him out. They're going to put him on long-term IR. And then they're going to bring him back for the playoffs. Like I said, where salary cap doesn't matter. They'll have Mark Stone. They'll have all these guys back. And they're just going to run the playoffs. Because it's one of those what's good for the goose is good for the gander. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, so what's the, what are the wings looking at this week? Um, let me let me go through here. I, we don't talk by team; we just go by wins and losses. So my guess is a loss, right. win, well. win. Actually, I think we have a good little home stretch here, or a, a good little stretch here. So they've got Seattle, who I, I'm not sure how Detroit's going to fare in that game. So tomorrow the they've got Seattle at ten o'clock at night. They got two days off, and they're home against Philadelphia, which is actually the. Um, am I allowed? Am I allowed to call them the crackers on this show? Well, you gotta bleep yourself. Why crackers? Not a bad word, is it? Well, I take offense to it now. Oh, everything! <laughs> everything offends you. you. <laughs> so we've got we've got the cracking um, tomorrow night. We've got Philadelphia on Tuesday, which oh, which I good luck with them. The, the Joey Coaster. Well, we've already beat them every game we played them. We beat them. Yeah. Oh, geez. Thanks a lot. Yeah, you're welcome. At least you're in a playoff <laughs> position. Um, I'd rather beat the Flyers. I believe that's the. It's either Tuesday's game or Saturday's game, but one of the games is the Joey Coaster bobblehead night. So oh, so the, really oh, so fans, if you're oh. going to be in the Motor t- City, make sure to get so, the oh, Coaster bobblehead. So that's a home game. They're playing home against Philadelphia, and then they're in. Get up! Oh, <laughs> you cut it short. There it is. Um. And then they, they travel to, I don't even know what the hell they call their arena. I, I call it the stable. It's the uh, the Islanders. They're playing the Islanders uh, on oh, Thursday. Man, I don't know. They got so many new stadiums. I don't know. The, the live, the NY. The, it's like kind, of, kind of like Florida with their Florida live thing. It's, what the heck is that? It's, New York. At, it's at Belmont. Oh, they built their arena in at, in Belmont. Oh yeah, they get a new one. Let so me... I call I just call it the stable. They play at the stable. So that's that's what the Wings have. That's that's it. Just two games. Three: Seattle, Philly, and New oh. York. Oh, oh, that's right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Three. So. Yep. 
So it should yeah, be, I like I said, it's they've actually got some winnable games this stretch. You know, they went through the hardest part of their schedule, I feel like, in the, you know, for the month of, of March, um, besides Tampa and New York, but uh, Rangers. But, yeah, I think, uh, I think they're in the tough part of their schedule is done. I think the next few games are winnable. I, I you know, I say you go for it. You go for the win. You try to, you know, you keep be- the season – going U- UBS UBS arena that's right what the heck is UBS or whatever uh underlying so, yeah. that's right yeah so uh so that about wraps it up doesn't it that's that's a wrap folks appreciate wow. you guys tuning in i appreciate you guys listening again it was a long show well worth the listen so right. uh, once again our fifth episode so nice little Little milestone, even though it's early. So we're we're, do, we're, we're, we're the getting there. We're in the long haul. We're getting there. Yeah, moron. <laughs> so, um, all right. With that, we'll wrap it up. All right. So, uh, good night, Smashville. See you later, Hockey Town. <laughs>